It is Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. There are a few immigration bills making their way through the legislature this session, one that would make it easier for immigrants to obtain driver's licenses. Some cops on the lorry list no longer have badges, but they're still involved in policing. And there was some, shall we say, passionate rhetoric at the State House this week over a bill that would re-litigate the 2020 election. Joining me now to talk about all of that and more are NHPR reporters, Gabby Lozada and Todd Bookman. Good morning, both of you. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Rick. Gabby, let's start with you. You've been following a few different immigration bills during this legislative session. Two of them are related to the DMV and would help protect immigrants in the state. What are lawmakers proposing? Yes, Rick. So right now, the Transportation Committee inside the State House is studying three bills related to driver's licenses. The first one is about Real real ID, which is a type of document that permits people to fly around the country without a passport. Uh, Right now in New Hampshire, a person who is on path of obtaining a legal status can't obtain this type of license because the DMV doesn't recognize pending applications and these living migrants without the possibility to drive for months. If the bill passed, the DMV could give licenses to these people who might be essential workers or students on temporary visas. Uh, The second bill is about privacy and how the DMV could be prohibited to share personal information with immigration agencies. And this one is a big one because it could change the lives of 15,000 undocumented people who live in the state. And the third bill is about giving temporary license to asylum seekers while they are waiting for their papers. Um, These people sometimes wait up to a year for their documentation and being able to drive during that time can make a big difference in their lives. And like you said, this would affect thousands of Granite Staters. What are you hearing from advocates, Gabby, of these two bills? And and what are you hearing from immigrants who would benefit? So last year, there was a similar bill that wasn't approved, but this year advocates are very optimistic. They say these bills could, uh, could prove that New Hampshire can be a welcoming state. Uh, this week, many immigrants gave their testimony about their how their lives have changed since they got a license. And one of them was Adiel Montero from Mexico, who lives in Nashua. Uh, here's what es she importante que todos podamos tener una licencia para conducir sin temor. It is very important that we can all have a license in order to drive without fear. Now, Gabby, there's another bill proposed by Republican lawmakers that that would make it uh, illegal for state or local governments not to adopt or enforce federal immigration laws. You reported that immigration advocates say that that bill could destroy years of work pushing for sanctuary cities here in New Hampshire. What kind of impact could that bill have? Rick, with this bill, undocumented people in New Hampshire could be put in deportation proceedings when stopped for minor reasons, like jaywalking or having a defective blinker. Uh, If you think about it, it's a bill about fear. Immigration advocates say the vagueness with which the bill is written could destroy years of work pushing for sanctuary cities, which do not exist yet in the state, but there are numerous agreements with police departments to not contact ICE when they stop an undocumented immigrant. And one of the main criticisms to the bill is that it will trigger the risk of racial and ethnic profiling from the police. Thank you, Gabby. Uh, I want to turn to you, Todd. You've been providing regular updates on what's been happening since a partial version of the so-called lorry list became public. You reported this week that even though some cops on this list might not be working officially as police officers anymore, 
They still have found other work in law enforcement adjacent fields. What kind of influence do these people have now? Uh, well, there's definitely a range, Rick. Uh, we identified from the list a former Keene police officer who was flagged for truthfulness issues, uh, actually not once, but twice in 2017. He then leaves the police force and then gets a job uh, training other police officers with a private company based in Texas. Uh, so that's one example, a second former officer uh, who was found to have falsified records. He's now working for the Cheshire County Attorney's Office as an investigator. That, that's a position that you know, can do everything from uh, tracking down witnesses, taking statements, uh, listening to jailhouse calls. It, it's very much uh, involved in the day-to-day -day prosecution of defendants. And then a third officer who was flagged for truthfulness, he's now an elected official in Rochester serving on that city's police commission, essentially now providing oversight uh, on behalf of, of the public of law enforcement. And, and again, that's despite his own checkered history. Now, until recently, Todd, there, there were very few people who had access to this list. It was extremely secretive. Did any of the employers hiring these former officers know about them being on that list? Yeah, the the thing about the Lori list is that it was secret uh, just until late late December, and you know some officers even claim they didn't know they were on it, uh, though that seems hard to believe. But but you can certainly you know get the scenario going where if you apply for a job, there is no requirement that you disclose your your status, and until recently there was no way for an employer to check. Now a simple Google search, you know, you can you can look through the list yourselves. The, the county attorneys had access. So so the Cheshire County attorney who hired the former Keene officer, it, it more than likely knew and perhaps made a judgment call about whatever the conduct was. But then you take the situation in Rochester, you know, voters in the voting booth voting for their next police commissioner, they did not know the Lori List status uh, of, of their candidates. You know, that 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 veil of secrecy was only recently lifted. Mm. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We are recapping this week's news with NHPR's Todd Bookman and Gabby Lozada. What questions do you have about what's been going on in the state? You can send us an email to voices at nhpr.org and inform our coverage. I want to turn back to you, Gabby. You've been working on this series called Invisible Walls. It is a collaboration between NHPR and the Granite State News Collaborative. Can you tell us about this series and what kinds of questions you're hoping to answer? So this series is, looks into the history of exclusionary zoning in the state and how it pushes people to live in neighborhoods where opportunities are fewer. One of these neighborhoods is the east side in Manchester, which suffers from scarce housing, uh, defective public services, homelessness, and drug addiction. But there are people who live there and try to make the best of the of these places. Yeah, and one of your stories this uh, of the your series aired this week here on Morning Edition. It was about the effects of exclusionary zoning laws in that one neighborhood, Manchester's East Side. I know you talked with local business owners and residents in the neighborhood. What did they have to say to you? So these people um, love their neighborhood and want to see it flourish, even if the odds are against them. They try to help people with, in the way they can, like, for example, from giving food to immigrants or repairing cars for free. I think there everything helps. The east side is a very lively neighborhood where people want to progress. And one of the business owners, uh, Carlos Colon, who talked about garbage regulation and problems, uh, landlords, landlords um, and here's what he had to say. You know, sometimes, you try to clean up the neighborhood, but 
you know, you got landlords like this, they own these big, big buildings, they live in Massachusetts, and they don't take care of the neighborhood. So he's referring to out-of-state landlords there. If you go to our website at nhpr.org, you can find a video that Gabby has produced for this story. Head over there and check that out when you have a chance. Uh, and, and now I want to turn our attention now to some more political news from the week. Todd, you attended a hearing at the State House this week for an election bill that was really lively. Um, I'll put it that way. First, can you tell us more about the proposal? Sure. So the, the House Election Law Committee on Wednesday, they heard a bill uh, that would essentially relitigate the 2020 election. The, the bill uh, would launch an audit, a forensic audit of the 2020 results in New Hampshire. Um, some sort of expert panel would be brought in to look for anomalies, uh, sort of similar to what happened in Arizona, uh, an audit that again found no widespread evidence of fraud. And um, and this is just one of several bills seeking to, to kind of reopen the 2020 election. Uh, these bills are being pushed by a handful of Republican lawmakers and, yeah, as you mentioned, a, a pretty vocal group of activists. Well, Todd, since the, the 2020 election, there have been those numerous challenges and in investigations, audits all over the country. Now, none of them have turned up evidence in validating results, but there were still a few dozen people who showed up to testify in support of this legislation in Concord. What, what did they have to say? You know, we heard um, a variety of allegations, uh, deep state fraud, meddling by China, hacked ballot counting machines, absentee ballot scams, town clerks erasing computer chips. Uh, a, a number of people talked about doing their own online research, you know, connecting their own dots. Uh, but from my vantage point and, and from, from other vantage points, it's hard to say that there was, you know, sort of credible evidence presented. And, uh, you know, it, Certainly hesitant to give these allegations more oxygen, but it, it, it's important, I think, for people to, to know what's going on at the state house. What's going on, you know, certainly has the backing of a, of a handful of Republican lawmakers who are introducing these bills, possibly more than a handful. Um, you know, we won't know until these measures come up for a vote. Okay. Again, there's been no evidence of widespread voter fraud or hacked machines, but what was the response from lawmakers? It, it's interesting to sit through these hearings and watch because. Um, you know, in some ways, the House Election Law Committee members have become very familiar with this group of sort of core activists who are showing up every week, every few weeks to testify in these bills. And, and the activists have become very familiar with these committee members. You know, they are calling out lawmakers by name. They are threatening to primary them. And meanwhile, the, the, the committee members, uh, Republicans and Democrats, they say almost nothing in response during these hearings. They rarely ask questions. They rarely push back. Um, you, you know, you get the feeling that they want these hearings to be over with quickly or or, you know, perhaps they've already made up their mind, you know, one way or another. And this testimony isn't swaying them either, you know, to launch an audit or or to kill this bill. Yeah. So did I mean, did anyone testify in opposition to, to this particular bill? Uh, no. Oh, well, excuse me. Just one person. But but that was not necessarily a member of the public. That was David Scanlon, who is our new secretary of state. Right. You know, this is the person who is in charge of elections. He's been involved in New Hampshire elections for, you know, in one way, shape or form for, for decades now. He did testify against uh, the need for this, has said he hasn't seen any evidence warranting, you know, a, a, a relitigation of, of 2020. And he really tried to get across the idea that it, it is you know, our elections in New Hampshire are run by volunteers largely inside of town and city halls. They are our, our neighbors, essentially, who are running these decentralized elections. And yes, they make mistakes. Uh, but Scanlon said, you know, there's there's no widespread collusion taking place. That's at least the message he was trying to get across. It, it 
it may have fallen on some deaf ears, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to ask you before we leave, uh, both of you, Gabby and Todd, what else you are reporting on right now? What are you on the lookout for in the coming weeks? Uh, Gabby, let's start with you. Sure. So I'm working in, on a story about English learners and how they are silently filling up jobs in the midst of the labor shortage. It's a story that not many people know because immigrants are usually hidden, but um, they are working here and making this state their home. Okay, we'll be looking forward to that. You'll be hearing more about that on NHPR and NHPR.org. How about you, Todd? Sure. So I'm uh, doing a little bit more reporting on the state's purchase of Hampstead Hospital. That's that psychiatric hospital in Hampstead. It's currently in private hands. When the government purchases it, which is expected, the, the sale is expected to close later this spring, it, it means that the property will no longer generate property taxes for the town of Hampstead. And it's actually going to be a pretty sizable hit to the Hampstead budget and um, lawmakers there, officials there are, are in negotiations okay. with the state to try to, to to fill that gap. So that's an interesting story. I'll All right. We'll be talking. We'll be hearing more about that from you, Todd. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rick. And thanks, Gabby. NHPR's Gabby Lozada and Todd Bookman, thanks so much for your time this morning. You can find their work again and all their stories that we talked about at NHPR.org. And if you missed any part of today's segment or if you want to catch up on previous weeks, you can always find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will be here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.